From APM American Public Media, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. In January, nearly 100 college presidents gathered at the White House for a summit on the rising cost of college. The presidents pledged to create more opportunities for low-income students to go to college and to succeed once they get there. But nearly a year later, the average price tag for an education at those White House summit colleges has gone up, and it's gone up more for poor students than for more affluent ones. That's according to data just released by the Department of Education. One reason is something called merit aid, a type of scholarship awarded for academic performance rather than economic need. Experts say colleges are shifting their scholarship money away from need-based aid and giving out more merit scholarships instead. This week on the podcast, we talked to a reporter who has been following the rising college cost burden on poor families. John Marcus is the higher education editor at the Heckinger Report, a nonprofit education news service. He joins me this week from New Orleans. Welcome, John. Thanks so much for having me. First, tell us a little bit more about that White House summit that happened back in January. Who were some of the major players and what kinds of changes did they pledge to make? Well, 100 presidents from some of the most elite universities and colleges in America and from their associations convened at the White House and made commitments to help uh, low-income students get into and afford uh, higher education, which has obviously been increasing significantly in price. Uh, they um, they made pledges, written pledges. In many cases, a much closer look at those pledges would show that the commitments that they made were to continue programs that they already had, for example, to make more information available to low-income students about uh, already available financial aid. In a few cases, they instituted new programs. Many of them uh, had the potential to affect some students, but relatively small numbers of students. This is an enormous problem and the scope of the commitments probably was insufficient to, uh, to address it in the best of circumstances. Is there a reason for this apparent insincerity? Are there economic incentives or disincentives, rather, um, in terms of trying to attract and, and give aid to more uh, students of need? Well, there really aren't any incentives to do it. Uh, there's not necessarily a disincentive. I, I don't believe that universities and colleges are, are not telling the truth when they say that, it, that they would like to uh, enroll and support more low-income students. But all of the incentives are on the side of uh, helping students that don't necessarily have financial need. And that's what you mentioned in your introduction. Uh, that, that's what's called merit aid. So universities and colleges are giving financial aid to students regardless of need, students who do not meet the federal definition of financial need for which there's a very specific formula. And they're doing this because those students come with higher SAT scores they often come from uh, better resourced suburban public high schools or private high schools, and they have uh, AP uh, exam uh, results. They have higher grade point averages, and all of the things that play into the rankings in places like U.S. News. So the higher quality of students they enroll, the higher the universities appear in college rankings. Uh, the other important and uh, reason that this has been accelerating is that universities and colleges also know that if they have a, a limited amount of financial aid, which they do because universities and colleges are in financial trouble of their own these days, they have, if they have $20,000 uh, to give in financial aid, they could give that $20,000 to one poor kid, and they'd get one poor kid and no revenue. Or they could give $4,000 to each of five rich kids whose families could afford to pay the rest, therefore enhancing the bottom line. And by doing that, they enroll five kids at a time when enrollment is actually flat and when universities are also very uh, concerned about make, making sure the seats are filled. 
You looked at the most recent data from the Department of Education on college cost. What did you find? Yes, that, that data actually um, precedes the commitments because the federal data, which is, to be honest, not great, uh, the data collected by the U.S. Department of Education, uh, it lags real time. So um, we don't know. We do know in several cases that universities that made commitments in January for example, University of Virginia uh, eliminated a no loan promise to um, to lowest income students. So, whereas before the University of Virginia showed up at the White House and promised to help low income kids, it, uh, it gave financial aid to low income kids and promised that they wouldn't have to take out loans. Since January, they have dropped that policy and now require in-state students to take out $14,000 a year in loans and out-of-state students $28,000. Uh, other than that, the numbers that we're looking at precede the White House Summit, and what they show is that since 2008, the very lowest income students and their families have seen their net price increase much, much faster than the very highest income students and their families. The net price is the actual price that students pay for college after discounts and financial aid are factored in. And uh, for at private colleges and universities, private nonprofit colleges and universities, the net price has doubled that is, is increased by 10%, whereas the net price for the wealthiest kids has increased by only 5%. Is this happening at the, the most elite and the most uh, selective schools as well as state universities and, and private colleges? Well, the very most elite colleges and universities that have very large endowments, the Ivy Leagues uh, specifically, have programs that provide financial aid to people uh, all the way through very high, what, we would, what most people would consider very high levels of income. Uh, but other private nonprofits sort of uh, the next level down, the Little Ivies, and then the sort of mid-tier private nonprofits. Uh, yes, this is absolutely happening there. And even more surprisingly, it's happening at public universities and colleges. Taxpayer-supported public universities and colleges are taking some of their financial aid and giving it to kids that, by the federal financial aid formula, do not need financial aid uh, because they, they, too, want to attract higher-income students that can pay the rest of the tuition. Uh, public universities and colleges are also being cut uh, significantly by state uh, legislatures, and they also want to improve their standings in the in the rankings. So, um, so even public universities have increased their prices for the very lowest income students since 2008 by 25 percent, whereas for the very highest income students, they've increased it by 16 percent. Still significant, but a much faster rate of increase on the very poorest students. Does the potential for alumni giving factor into this, or is that a trivial issue? Uh, there, are, there are all kinds of very complicated uh, issues relative to alumni giving. One is there's a widespread concern that the very high levels of debt with which students are graduating means they, wanna, they won't have any money to give back to their alma maters or feel inclined to do it. Uh, the other really interesting thing that's happening uh, at the level of alumni giving, uh, which remains actually relatively robust, it hasn't declined yet, but there's concern that over time, because students increasingly now attend more than one university or college, because they transfer so much, their loyalty is, not, is no longer to a single college or university. And alumni directors are very, very worried that over time, uh, the uh, contributions from alumni will decline. What's it going to take to get colleges to put more money into supporting low-income students? The merit aid issue is an arms race. No college or university wants to stop doing it, although a few, to their credit, have stopped giving merit aid, Hamilton College, for example. But in other states, I was at a meeting recently with the president of Arizona State University, Michael Crow, 
who said that uh, he asked other public universities in Arizona to stop giving merit aid, and the other public universities said no. They recognized that if one of them blinks and stops giving merit aid, then those students who can help them the most in the rankings, uh, and in many cases also with the bottom line, will go somewhere else. So no one wants to blink. Many universities and colleges real, realize that this is a, a sort of death spiral here. Um, perhaps that's a little dramatic, but that, that it, it is not only hurting their expressed commitment to improve their access to low-income students, but over time it is threatening their financial stability because the proportion of their revenue that's going back out to financial aid just to fill seats is increasing beyond a level that's sustainable. Uh, already nationally, somewhere in the 40-something percent range of revenue goes back out the door in terms of financial aid. At some colleges and universities that are having the most trouble filling seats, that what's called the discount rate is in the 56, 57 percent range. So more than half of their revenue goes right back out the door. So while it might look like the tuition is increasing at faster than the rate of inflation, the colleges and universities are not actually keeping up with inflation in terms of money that they have on hand for operating uh, expenses. I assume that critics of this trend uh, of, you know, increasing support for more well-off families and students, I assume that critics of this trend don't argue that middle-class families shouldn't have any financial support because presumably many of them do actually do sort of struggle to be able to make ends meet. That's a really important point. So, one of the interesting things about covering higher education is that uh, need doesn't always mean need. Merit doesn't always mean merit. Rich doesn't always mean rich. And by that, I mean that some students that get need-based financial aid don't really need it. Some students that receive uh, so-called merit aid actually have surprisingly low uh, high school uh, GPAs. Uh, they're receiving merit aid uh, clearly for the reason of, in, of, of, uh, of sustaining revenue for the college or university. And rich doesn't always mean rich because you can have what looks on paper like a high income. But if you have twins or if you have kids who are siblings close in age and in college at the same time, it is extraordinarily difficult for you to afford to pay the full price of college. Um, or if you live in a very high cost of living area, the New York metropolitan area, the Washington metropolitan area, all of these things come into play here. So even high income students and their families need some help which makes this a very, very complicated issue and a very difficult one to solve. John Marcus, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. John Marcus is Higher Education Editor with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit education news service. You can find a link to John's work at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. You'll also find there more podcasts about issues in higher education and K-12, and you can browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects. Please let us know what you think of our coverage at our website. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AM RadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Spencer Foundation, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, and Lumina Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media. <laughs>